right, welcome. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Shattercast. We are joined by the lovely Derek Whitmore, and of course, uh, my wife, who is also lovely, uh, Hannah. And we have a special guest by the name of Andrew. Derek, let me turn it over to you, and you can tell our audience everything that you know about Andrew. have enough time uh blackmail material no uh <laughs> super excited to have andrew here with us he is working on an amazing game called deliverance i am wrapping the merch right here you know mm-hmm. around here <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so i uh, got connected with andrew if i remember correctly uh so shattered we were doing some stuff at a local gaming convention uh found out about this great guy andrew and that he's working on this amazing game deliverance and so contacted him say hey can we uh get a, a copy so he, he was great enough to send us a, a preview copy was able to demo that at the uh convention we were at and um people loved it i uh, got a lot of great reviews we actually talked about it a little bit on one of our previous uh podcast editions and so contacted andrew said hey do you want to come on for an interview and here we are so andrew good to see you man hey do you want to maybe introduce yourself tell us a little bit about your background and maybe some of the interests you like yeah, sure, sure. Uh, first of all, thanks all for having me on the podcast. It's a real blessing to be here with you guys. And uh, uh, so, yes, my name is Andrew Lowen. I am a father of five daughters uh, that are all eight years old and under, no twins, and my life is chaos. I run a digital marketing agency for small businesses out of San Diego, California. Been doing that for just over a decade, and I'm a huge nerd. I love gaming, and I couldn't be just a casual player. So I was a professional Hearthstone player, a semi-professional poker player. Um, I have uh, represented the U.S. on two separate occasions in wrestling, in Ukraine and Australia. Uh, I just try hard at all the things and um, have a lot of fun doing that. I've been, uh, I'm a uh, three-stripe brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu now. And um, so it's like wrestling just upside down. Um, So much easier when the gravity's on your side, you know. But uh, uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of, that's me in a nutshell. Um, I created this game Deliverance, um, kind of was my brainchild of about four years ago, just over four years now. And um, the impetus for that was that I quit video games called Turkey, October 1st, 2015. So I've actually not played a video game in about five years. And um, when you do that, it uh, you look to fill the void with things and um, you know I, I just I try you know I play hard when I you know in video games and that kind of thing and so when I started having more kids it was like I just can't be a good dad and have as many children as I want to have I guess and so I looked to um, fill that some, with something that I could also be a huge nerd and nerd out without you know taking too much time away uh, to be good at it and board games was such a natural fit and then of course I can't just have a hobby I have to be a designer now of a board game so that's that's me awesome man yeah at, uh, at first I was going to say No Man's Sky didn't come out until 2016 so I wasn't sure why you quit gaming in 2015 
Um, yeah. I haven't played Breath of the Wild. I haven't played uh, – I mean, there are so many great games that I'm like, I wish I could play that, you know? <laughs> I like this first. That's awesome. That's awesome. How did uh, uh, how did you kind of answer this question a little bit? But um, what kind of shifted you from getting into the hobby and enjoying playing board games and wanting to be a part of that community to now want to create something for the community? Was it just the sort of like the logical next step in like pursuing excellence in all of your hobbies, or you know what, what were you? Well, doing? not so much. Uh, it really came down to I would play. Uh, you know, as a Christian, I have this. Uh, I think uh, all of us as, as, as Christian nerds have a battle that goes on within us about how, how much, uh, like, like is Harry Potter okay or is whatever okay, right? And some people, the answer is yes, and some people it's no, and they have their reasons for that. And I thought, you know, I, I mean, I read all the Harry Potter books, and I read uh, the Wheel of Time series, and I saw the movies of, you know, various things and whatnot. And um, I, I just, I felt like, why isn't there a game out there that I just don't have to compromise anywhere. Like, I don't want to have to worry about is magic good or bad because some, you know, my wife actually just won't play games with magic. And I, you know, for me, I put 30,000 hours into world of Warcraft. So, um, you know, that's, that's something that you know, obviously I'm okay with, with that, but Relatable. yeah, I mean, I just, I just felt like, why isn't there a game that gives me absolutely everything I want without any compromise like i don't i don't want anyone to have to feel like they're compromising but at the same time i don't want to compromise in the the feeling of the game and how awesome it is to play and how powerful i feel and i want to sling lightning from heaven and you know melt demon faces and i want it to be done by the power of god so that nobody has a problem with it you know um and so that's i was just like why isn't there a game that that is like this and um i've since learned why there isn't a game like that it's because that's extremely hard to do, um, extremely hard to do. Um, I have been told I'm going to hell at least half a dozen times for various elements of the game. And I have been told that I am a dirty hypocrite that needs to keep their awful religion out of, you know, the, the, that person's hobby by, you know, of course, the non-Christians. So it's quite polarizing and to really ring true in a way that, that resonates with people and also has some semblance of theological soundness that's been very difficult you know so it's been a, it's been a quite a journey definitely well it sounds like this premise is pretty important to you and you put a lot of thought into what goes into it so why don't you uh, give our listeners a little bit of like an, an elevator pitch of sorts of what this premise is and what it looks like sure sure so um before the actual uh, ele- you know thematic introduction I kind of look at deliverance as a, an allegory for how, if, if it, it's not meant to educate per se, it's meant to be a, a game that, that is like a fun generator. You know, we want to have it, that's like its purpose, right? But if it was to educate on anything, it would be to educate the Christian on spiritual warfare, that it's real, that you need to fight it, and here's how you do it. Um, Sans taking a giant broadsword and, you know, swinging it into a demon. Uh, because we we can't really do that, um, so it, it's an allegory for spiritual warfare. So the, the uh, thematic, um, what's behind the story is that you play an angel, an elite angel in the army of heaven, and you've come down to this small little town called Fallbrook uh, in in modern day Southern California, uh, which is rife with demonic activity. There are demons 
everywhere. And, you know, for such a small place, it is caused a stir and you need to figure out what is going on. Um, you suspect that a former angelic brother or sister, a fallen prince is commanding the demon armies from the shadows. And it's your mission to send that fallen prince to the abyss to wait his final judgment and to figure out what is going on in the town of Fallbrook and restore peace. So along the way, you'll uh, have to protect the saints because you're, of course, a guardian angel. You, uh, it's your standing orders to protect saints and um, to, uh, you know, but something strange is happening. It seems that the darkness from the human realm is bleeding into the spiritual realm and manifesting itself. And uh, so it's going to be something you have to deal with in your quest to restore order. So this is a cooperative game? It is cooperative. Uh, one to four players against the game. And so uh, you are going to be playing against the forces of darkness, which are controlled by the game itself. But it's not like Jumanji. It's not like you get sucked <laughs> into it and you have to finish or else you, you just unleashed the end of the world. Right. I'm getting uh, uh, kind of some like Frank Freddy vibes here from the, from the, the conversation. And so there's a, a lot of different biblical themes or concepts that could be turned into a board game realistically. So how did you decide on doing an allegory for spiritual warfare? So, um, well, the first, I guess, in a, um, uh, when you, when you deal with a Christian board game, it's kind of like, um, you really only have two routes that you can go. You can go either historical or fantasy. And if you try to kind of blend the two, it ends up being like an, basically what amounts to an educational game. So you either have to have a game that's set in the history of the world and talk about, or, and just have a game about like what, what happened. Um, a great example of that would be commissioned. If you're familiar with that, uh, that game, it's a, a great one that, that just does such a great job from the historical perspective. And then there's the fantasy perspective, which is kind of speaks in between the lines of what the Bible says. Um, anything that, you know, and, and of course you have your pitfalls on either, either side. If you get the history wrong, or if you get the, you know, if you contradict what the Bible clearly says, like, you know, let's say, you know, Satan's a boss and you kill Satan. It's like, nope, that's not how it works. Like, that's not how the story goes. Right. So um, the, uh, so that's kind of your, your challenge there. Um, but I decided to go fantasy because I, I was, my wife made me go out on a run one day and I, um, I, I think I'm an athlete, but I do not like to run at all. And I was just having a hard time with something. And she just said, I need to go blow off steam. So go on a run. And so I'm dying after like a mile and a half. And then my mind just like leaves my, my head and goes off somewhere. And I'm like a floating camera watching myself. And I just start thinking about, you know, all the things. Uh, so there's Jude verse nine talks about how Michael when he contended with the devil over the body of Moses, you know, dared not speak against him a reviling accusation, but instead said, the Lord rebuke you. And Jude was writing that like the Jews who he was writing to understood that, you know, remember that time that Michael and Satan had, you know, went at it. And I'm thinking like, no, like, tell me more about this, you know? Right. And so I was just wondering on that run, what that was like, did they, you know, have words, did they fight? with swords and, you know, shields and spears or how, how did that happen? And so it just became a thing that entered my head. I feel like God planted it in my head. Like, I want you to wonder about this, you know? And um, I felt like 
you know, if I were to design a, a game, it would just be such a perfect fit for that thing that I wanted, which was a game where I wouldn't have to compromise. And it's like, dude, if it was slinging fireballs by the power of God, then it, there's no problem for my wife. She'll play it. And, um, you know, so I just, I it kind of started from there. It all started from there. Awesome. Eric, why don't, why don't you, why don't you jump in? We feel like I've done a lot of talking. Sure, no problem. Uh, John mentioned uh, Frank Peretti and This Present Darkness. Not sure if you're familiar with that. Um, Very familiar. That's, that's one so of good. the great stories I love, and it reminded me exactly of uh, when I was playing Deliverance. Are there any, was that an inspiration for you? Are there any other inspirational stories where it's comic books, books, or even music that kind of, uh, kind of help you create kind of the world of Deliverance? Yeah, so um, uh, as you mentioned, This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness are two novels by Frank Peretti, and they are both excellent. Um, they did what I kind of what I wanted, how I wanted the angels to be like, I wanted them to have influence on humanity, but not, you know, be like, you know, show up in, I, I can't remember what show it is, but there's like a detective works directly with Michael or Gabriel, like one of the, you know, it's, it's like a, a crime drama, um, where, uh, so anyway, um, I can't, I'm sure that some of your listeners will know. But I didn't want it to be like that. I wanted it to be like angels influencing without the direct knowledge of humans around them and, and whatnot. And I really liked how Frank Peretti's books did that. The one thing Frank's, Frank Peretti's book did not answer, and if you look back through the book, no demon ever hit an angel with a blade. You know, what would happen if a demon blade hit an angel right in the neck? You know, it didn't answer that because every angel ducked at the right time. But obviously there was fear there of getting hit or, or whatever. They had to block it or they had to duck or whatever. And um, it just never answered that question. And so, um, the, you know, it's just a, maybe interesting tangent. Uh, but then another source of inspiration, really at how, what type of scale and how epic I wanted it to feel um, was a particular trailer for World of Warcraft. Um, if you're familiar with the Burning Crusade, yes, it had this trailer. Yes. So, so there's there was a, a very very popular anti-hero named Illidan Stormrage, and he's holding this skull, talking to it, and talking about how you know you think you've won, you think you've done this, you think you've done that, you think you're safe, you're not prepared. And then it kind of goes on, and and you see the trailer, and then at the end, Illidan is holding this skull. And then he just beefs up and grows wings really quick. And he yells at the camera, you are not prepared. And then it just ends like that. I was like that. I mean, you know, I was at BlizzCon when they unveiled that. And I think I freaked out and, and you know, threw my underwear on stage and everything. You know? <laughs> and, uh, that was, oh, man. <laughs> so more like my pocket protector. Um, but uh, it, was, uh, it was just something that resonated with me as such a powerful moment. And I, I, I kind of got this um, idea in my head about Michael the Archangel when he said, the Lord rebuke thee. I actually wrote, um, it just, I was inspired about three years ago, um, this, a similar manner that I wanted to introduce deliverance. And I wanted it to have this almost like a grim, dark, that's really the truth of the matter. You know, angels and demons and what happens, it's, it's very grim and it's very dark and it's got a very different tone than any other 
Christian product I've, I've, I've seen before. A uh, book of Eli is probably the closest thing I can think of to a Christian story that's like kind of grim and, and dark, um, but still, you know, has, has great messages and whatnot. And so I thought about Michael the Archangel saying, the Lord rebuke thee. And so that, you know, what we did was, I mean, I, I had a voice actor uh, speak the, the, the part about, you know, two and a half, maybe three years ago. And then two and a half years later, you know, maybe six months ago, I actually finished the trailer for that soundbite. So that soundbite, that clip that um, I, you know, may, maybe we could link in the show notes or something for your listeners that that one minute deliverance thematic introduction, um, that thing was um, really inspired by that Illidan storm rage, um, you know. I, I approve. I'm a big fan of, of that. I think that was probably the best expansion. Um, and uh, Liam O'Brien was the voice actor for that role and he killed it. And yeah, uh, yeah so big, big fan. So plus one from me for that uh, connection. Super cool. Well, obviously there's a lot of different um, types of audiences when it comes to, to premise. Um, but when it comes to like mechanics and gameplay um, and things like that, uh, what kind of player would you say this game caters to? That's a great question. And um, so it caters to somebody. The, the, so the answer, I actually, I gave a talk to the Christian Game Developers Conference on this very thing, your target market and who, who will buy it, who will play it. And the thing that I want to, to, to make it, you know, me, I guess, as my, um, I don't know, my life song to the world or something, you know, um, so the, the cheesy answer that I'll expand on is a person like me. Um, so I made it for people like me. And um, that would be the, um, the gamer that it was 20 and now is 30 something that really wants that epic experience, but doesn't have the time or now, you know, that MMOs and other games are just very common. It's hard to, hard to have that experience where you just realize the world is way bigger than what you thought it was, you know? Um, and so I wanted it to appeal to those types of people. And really what ended up happening is it appealed very much to those types of people, but it also appealed to two other groups that I didn't expect. Um, the first group are atheists. Uh, I was completely shocked at how non-Christians were so excited. They, they actually would say, wow, this is just like, you know, Greek mythology, but it's just Christian mythology. And I would love to play angels and, you know, against demons and, and live in that world and whatnot. And so that was something that was very surprising and, and, and comforting. So half my email list are, are pastors and priests and the other half are just, you know, Satanists and, you know, everything in between. And um, the, uh, so that was, that was very interesting. And the, uh, the third group were, Christians that were not gamers that really wanted their gamer friends, family, kids, you know, the, the, that wanted to be able to relate to them on some level that was like meeting halfway. And so it was um, really, it's kind of become something that Christians are proud to say, this is a Christian product and I can't wait to show this to whoever it is. Um, so it's ended up uh, appealing quite a bit to, um, very new gamers 
And actually, a lot of what I actually I used to have for the, um, the characters, they all have five actions. And one of them is move, one of them is attack, one of them is prey. And, you know, they, they, one of them is a heal. And, uh, you know, every character has some semblance of similarity in that manner. But the way it used to be was we had, like, an advanced character. And then you flip over the other side and it was a simple character. And that was specifically meant to, you know, simple character had higher stats, few, fewer skills and whatnot. And that was specifically meant to appeal to the non-gamer that was trying to play this. And uh, what I found is actually the, the, it was always like a son or a friend or whatever. And they were like, oh, you need to play the advanced side. I'll teach you how. And mm-hmm. it just was like, I, I was, I've been trying to really experiment quite a lot to appeal to the, the, the light gamer that really loves the theme. And so that's the, those are the three groups. It's really cool. So if you were to, sorry, uh, if you were to pick <laughs> a, it's yep. bound to happen at some point. <laughs> yeah, ladies first. Um, if you were to pick uh, like a category um, of mechanics, like say strategy game or uh, trick taking or something like that, how would you yeah. categorize this game? So it would be, um, it's a tactical dungeon crawler. So you're, kind of fighting through the forces of darkness and slaying demons left and right and heavenly treasure equipment is dropping and it's, it's increasing your power and you're leveling up and getting new skills and other things like that. Um, so it's a dungeon crawl in, in, that, in that way. And it's a tactical combat game because it's dudes on a map. So you're playing, you know, these little figurines and you're moving them around and, try, you know, kind of positioning yourselves properly and, and that kind of thing. So it's, it's a tactical dungeon crawl. Um, uh, some people might call it like an adventure board game. Um, I think that that positions it nicely for some people, but I look at it more like a tactical dungeon crawler. So. Are there, for some of the gamers in our audience, are there some games, although Deliverance is in some aspects very unique, are there some games that they might think it might be similar to just so they can kind of get an idea. And then also what are the different ways you can play deliverance? I know we were talking about the skirmish and the um, also campaign mode. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, as far as games that it reminds me of um, there, uh, so there's this, uh, so pandemic, let's talk about pandemic first because it's cooperative. You're all working together and you're, you're fighting against this infection deck. So what happens in Pandemic, for those that might not be familiar, is you put these cards called Epidemics. You slot them like partway through, like, you know, at, at certain intervals, you have these cards that will come out and do something traumatic. And what happens is the, the cards coming out, you know, represent like locations, you put cubes of disease, and that's a bad thing. And then eventually, one of these Epidemic cards will come out, and it you know, you're like, it, it does a couple of bad things, but then it tells you, put all the cards that you've, are all the cities, all the locations that you've played, put cubes on, put all of those back on top of the deck. And what that moment does to a player, they think, wait, all the cities that just got infected are going to get infected again. Oh my goodness. I have to get to, you know, whatever Essen, because there are three cubes already and it's going to explode. And it just all of a sudden causes this mad amount of tension and that is what the darkness deck will do in deliverance and i really i really love that feeling of 
chaos and we're going to die and oh my goodness, what's happening here. And, you know, everything's fine. And then it's not, you know, um, that's what I, that's one of the things I really loved. Um, another thing, I guess, for the tactical combat. So uh, games like Zombie Side um, or Gloomhaven kind of have a little bit of a tactical combat element that um, I would say, you know, dudes on a map moving them around, you know, using actions and other things like that. Um, it's a little bit, um, so Gloomhaven would be closer as far as the amount of things that you're able to do on your turn. Um, and what I, what I really enjoy about Deliverance, though, is that it's kind of hard to alpha game Deliverance. And I tend to fight against being an alpha gamer and, you know, telling, in essence, telling people what to do. Pandemic is really easy to say, oh, Hannah, you need to go, you know, to London because if you don't, then we're going to get owned. So I'm, I kind of just played your turn. You know, it's like move, cleanse, disease, and, and whatever. And it's like, well, you know, why, why isn't he just soloing this? Because obviously that was the only right move. And that's kind of annoying, you know, when you have that experience. And so what Deliverance does nicely is there's, there's enough, it's all public information, you know, all the players are working together, but there's a little bit too much that goes into what each character can do, each prayer card that you have, but you only have to worry about your stuff. So it's really easy. There are always at least two valid, meaningful decisions that you can make. And the, the alpha gamer thinks, oh, you need to do this. And oftentimes does not see the other option. And it, it's, I, I see constantly see players saying, no, 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 I'm going to do this instead. And what, you know, they tell me that as the game designer, oh, no, no, I'm doing this instead. And it was a good move. Like, oh, that's great. Well, then I'll change what I'm doing or, you know, whatever. And um, that's, that's I, I just haven't really found a game that quite encapsulates that, that is cooperative, but also doesn't have that alpha gamer complex. So, but hopefully those were a couple of examples. I'm glad that you mentioned that actually, because I think that's one of those things where, um, you know, people talk about this, like on a film set, you know, you don't, you don't recognize the sound department is there unless there's a problem. Right. <laughs> um, and so with that aspect of cooperative games, I didn't even really think about that on, when we played this past week because it just never came up as a possibility, yeah. but it's definitely an issue out there. And it's something that I think about every time I've played pandemic because as a strategic player, it's really easy to do exactly what you did, kind of jumping in and taking right. everyone's turns. And that just never happened. And it, it, it didn't come up. And I wouldn't have thought mm -hmm. of that. So I'm glad that you made that point because you're, you're very right about that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting because, um, you know, I, I always have a hard time. You know, we played through Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of hard to play through that because I felt like it was marriage counseling every single time. You know, it was like my wife and I were, were doing two player and then it was like I was telling her what to do and she was like, fine, you just play. I'm like, well, I mean, I, I want to enjoy this with you. I want you to enjoy it. And so I'm sorry, how can I be better at this? You know, and that's always a frustrating experience to, 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 to I'm sure you as a married couple have experienced that. I would say probably the best marriage counseling game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, uh, Chronicles of Crime is one of the best easy to alpha game, but also easy to fix. I really felt like it was the best positive marriage counseling um, that I've experienced in recent times. Um, it's, it's a really, uh, really fun experience for two players. So, uh, but anyway, um, yeah. So through uh, Derek, what, what you asked about the um, ways you can play, you can play through a campaign or you can play through a skirmish. So the skirmish would be, you bring the game to someone's house for game night and you all just want to play 
to sit down and, and, and slay some demons, play, play a game. Um, that is like a one to two hour experience. And then you've got, uh, you know, maybe like two and a half, if it's your first time ever playing three hours, maybe if it's rules and then learning to play for the first time or whatever. But um, so that's kind of the, the way that you can sit down, choose your angel. You're going to level up in a, in a different way each time. Like you have these talents that you're going to, you know, have to, you have like, let's say five talents at, you know, level one, you're going to draw two of them and pick one. And so you have a little bit of agency there, but there are three talents that you didn't even see. And then by the time you get to your, you're fully leveled up, there are almost 10 talents that you haven't, you don't even know what they were. You couldn't choose between them. And it makes players want to try again. You know, they want to play again and see what other options their character has. And, you know, and so I really like that. And then the campaign is a story that remembers what happened last time. So when you play through your first game, you get, uh, you're going to level up and get to choose any talent you want. Let's say uh, any one of those five, you get to look at all five of them and then level up the one that you want. And so you kind of get to, by the end of the, you know, 12 to 15 game campaign, you get to build the character the way that you wanted. And you can even use, let's say, uh, some uh, talent combinations that are not even available in um, skirmish mode, um, which is which is really fun. And, and so it's kind of how you're able to play. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned... Um being able to, to kind of want to play again because of that mechanic. And the other night when we were playing together, I, I felt the same way. And I think it's it's really cool that um, I was playing uh, the Archangel Gabriel and I wanted to play again so I could explore more about his character and see what other talents were and everything else. And I think that's really cool because the replayability doesn't just come from wanting to play the other characters around the table, but from wanting to go deeper on my character. And to me, that breeds a, a, a much higher level of replayability because of the yeah. then saying is, man, I can play this character several times before I've seen everything. And then there's X number of other characters out there that are the same way. So I feel like genuinely, like when, when this is released and I can get a copy on my table, like this is a game we're going to play several times. Um, yeah. Really cool.